Good day, everyone. Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books, not just one scripture of the Bible. And I will be sharing commentary with you while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Saints, this is Dr. Kamala D of Learning Bible Truth. I know what you're saying. Isn't she supposed to be on vacation? You are correct. I am on vacation for three weeks, but since this is in high demand, I wanted to give a little nugget on prayer. We are going to talk about where prayer originated, why it was instituted, and how to properly pray to get your prayers answered. Now, when we do return in the next two weeks now, I will have a very powerful message on the letter to the Hebrews. So I'm in the process of studying that now and um, involved in some other things as well. But because prayer is so important, I thought I will, you know, or would share a little nugget with you right now. Now, most people, and this means Christians, do not know what prayer really is and why it was instituted. So, of course, they do not know there is a right way and a wrong way to pray. Nor do most Christians know there are different prayers for different circumstances. Now, this is one reason most people prayers are not being answered. Now, prayer is a means of communication and contact with your heavenly father. Now, combined with faith in God's word, prayer is a channel through which and by which God's power can be released to meet our needs, allowing God to get involved in our circumstances. Now, prayer is not a Russian roulette game that you play whereby sometimes you get your prayers answered. Whenever you pray, you should be getting answers to every prayer, no matter what, if you are praying correctly. The key is praying correctly. Now, although many Christians believe that, you know, they know how to pray, there is a real lack of understanding about the operation of prayer. And therefore, God is being falsely accused of things he had nothing to do with. Now, if you do not know how to do something, you will certainly not gain the benefits of having done it. Sometimes you can think you are doing something right and end up finding out you have been doing it wrong all this time. Now, God does not hear your prayer because you cry. He does not hear your prayer because you whine or beg or because you are on your knees. Mm -mm. God does not hear your prayer because you are sincere. He does not hear you because you are in a church building. God hears your prayer because you pray in line with his word. This is a key now in line with his word. 
Now, for years, I did not think God heard me if I did not get on my knees and have my, my hands folded and my eyes closed. I saw other people do that, and I thought that was the proper way to pray. But God does not hear you because of your posture, nor because of how long your prayer is. You can pray standing on your head and God will hear you. We have been locked into a long and, and, and a lot of things because of tradition, not because we found those things in the word of God. God doesn't care how long your prayer is, as long as it is attached to faith. Okay. There is a common consensus that God can do whatever he wants to do, but that is not exactly correct. He can do, you know, anything good, you know, um, as he well pleases from the standpoint of having the ability because he is God. However, based upon the way he has designed his system to work, the world, man, the planet, the universe, he has built into it certain laws that govern and control it. Okay. So in that sense, he cannot do anything that violates that law. He has set in motion. Now, if he does, he is violating himself and it means his law is no good. And if his law is no good, that means he is no good and we all are in trouble. Now, this is the shocker. We have to give God permission to work in the earth realm on our behalf. So you can pick your job off the floor right about now. And we give him permission through prayer. You may say that is ridiculous, but it's still true. And the reason why can be found in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. It says this. Let us make man in our image. That us, him and his son Jesus. That's who he's talking to. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Underline the word dominion. And over the fowl of the air. And over cattle. And over all the earth. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Now if you guys hear some paper rattling in the background. That's just me um, and my notes. Now let me give you this, this illustration. Let us say that I have a beautiful black suit. A Kelvin Klein suit, which I do. And I decide to give this suit to one of my friends. Now, if I give it to her, who does it belong to now? And who no longer has it? It, is, it, it now belongs to my friend, the person I gave it to. And she has a right to do whatever she wants with that suit. Now, if I want to borrow the suit... I would now need her permission to wear the suit. Then and only then could I wear it again. And only because I have her permission. Now, what does dominion mean? Now, it means control, rule, reign, authority, possession. Yes, you are now in control. The person who I gave the suit to. So if. Man is in control now. Who no longer has it? God doesn't. Now, I know that sounds amazing, but it's still true. He did not say, let us share dominion with man. 
He said, let them, talking about man, have dominion. Now, where is the dominion? Over everything that is in the earth. That is where the dominion is. Now, if man has dominion, then God does not have it. <laughs> and God cannot come and wear that beautiful suit, so to speak, unless we give him permission through prayer. Now, do you honestly think God has this world messed up the way it is? The earth is messed up because of man. Okay. We have been given control over this earth. Now, God is not the God of this world. Satan is. He is leading the way. Now, when God said, give them dominion and, and so forth, he did it through a representative and the representative was Adam and his wife Eve. But a kind man named Lucifer, commonly known as Satan or the devil, came along and talked to Eve and talked her into eating the, the forbidden fruit. Then Eve gave some to her husband. Okay. The woman did not have the authority initially. Adam did. He used the ploy of getting to, and when I say um, he, I mean Satan. He used the ploy of getting to Eve to get to Adam. And when Adam sinned by being disobedient, he gave the black suit, remember my illustration, to the devil. So it is no longer Adam's. Adam no longer has dominion. But the one that have or, or the one that he gave it to now has dominion. And that is the devil. The Bible says that the devil is the God of this world. Let's be clear. He is the God. He, he, let's say this. He is not the God of all the ages. Mm -mm. But he is the God of this world. He is in control of the world's system. That is why the world is so messed up. That is why the world is so dishonest. That is why the world is so corrupt. So when God gave Adam dominion, that meant God no longer had dominion. See, we have a such thing as free will. Of you, you, uh, we, we can't forget that. And uh, we have a such day of, as judgment day coming. God can't judge if he's making you do something. Okay. So we have to remember, God no longer has dominion over this world. So... God cannot do anything in this earth unless we let him. And the way we let him or give him permission is through prayer. Now, how does God have permission? Hmm? We're going to talk about that now. Because Adam represented all mankind. That's why. But Adam did it in a negative way. Then God sent the last Adam, which is Jesus Christ. Why is Jesus called the last Adam? Because he is a representative person and he acted on our behalf. Okay. He acted on behalf of man. Let's say that. Now, every man who accepts Christ accepts what Christ did and accepts God's plan and accepts God's fathership. Then he becomes a son of God and has a right to everything that God has created. Because he originally created it for Adam. Now, how do we get God to be in our circumstances? Hmm? 
through prayer and faith, working in conjunction with each other. Now, when we invite God into our situation through prayer and faith, we give him the opportunity and the permission once again to get involved in this earth realm on our behalf. Now, I went through three different church denominations over a 20 year period, and I never heard anyone tell me or preach or teach on anything I just taught you. Nor did I hear anything about how to pray, nor the fact that there are different kinds of prayer. They just said pray. In fact, what they would say is pray harder. <laughs> now, I didn't even know how to pray. So how on earth can I pray harder? How do you pray harder when you don't even know how to pray? Can you answer that? Now, I thought you just, you know, beg God. And if you do it long enough, maybe he will give you what you ask for. But he does not work that way. He who? God. God doesn't work that way. Now, I do not care how sincere you are or how big your need is. God does not respond to your need. He responds to his word through prayer and faith. Your need will get his attention. But he does not move on the basis of your need. Now, there are certain biblical rules and principles regarding prayer. But some people act like, you know, they have spiritual, you know, infantile paralysis. They cannot comprehend spiritual things. Yet they operate in rules and principles in their daily lives. Now, we are precise when it comes to worldly things. But when it comes to spiritual things dealing with God, we want to argue, fuss and fight. Now, I used to think praying was praying, but I found out there are different kinds of prayer for different kinds of circumstances. And this is the key to getting your prayers answered, by the way. And each kind of prayer has its own spiritual rules that govern it. You have to know the rule that governs the kind of prayer you are using or it will not work. Now let's talk about sports. I'm going to use sports as an illustration. Football, baseball, basketball, tennis, golf, you know, track and field. They are all classified as sports, but you cannot play baseball with track and field rules. Can we? And you cannot play tennis with baseball rules, different rules govern the games. Now in tennis, you do not shoot baskets. You hit a ball back and forth across a net. So I want you to think about prayer under one classification, sports prayer. There is football prayer, baseball prayer, let's say basketball prayer, tennis prayer, etc. Just as there are different rules that govern golf and tennis, there are spiritual rules that govern different kinds of praying. Now, let me share them with you. Prayer number one, write this down, get a pen and paper because you will need this. Prayer number one is the prayer of agreement. Now, this involves more than one person getting into agreement in prayer about one particular thing they are believing God for. Now, Matthew 18 and 19 
uh, gives us the rule that governs that kind of prayer. What kind of prayer? The prayer of agreement. And it says, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. Now let's read that again. This is Matthew 18 and 19, the prayer of agreement. It says, if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. Now, according to this scripture, it is a prayer for people who live on earth. And it says they have to ask and they have to be in agreement in asking for it. Now, a wife cannot ask for a, a new house and her husband asks for a new car. They must agree or it will not work. This is one of the greatest ways for a husband and wife to pray. Because if anybody ought to be in agreement, it ought to be the husband and his wife. Okay, now what about prayer number two? This is the prayer of faith and petition. And Mark eleven twenty four is the scripture that governs this prayer. This prayer is a, is a petition to God for you. And it says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. And, um, I took scriptures from the traditional King James. So that's prayer number two. That's the prayer of faith and petition. Now notice that in this prayer, it is all about you. Some people want to pray this on somebody else, like their husband, you know, or their wife or their friend. And, and, you know, we have a, a wife that's saying she's believing that her husband, you know, gets another job. She wants him with another job because the current job he is working in has too many females and they are friendly. She doesn't like the atmosphere or the environment, but her husband is totally comfortable where he is. He's making good money. It's allowing him to provide for his family financially and they are not in agreement. Okay. So if they are not in agreement, the husband is not going to get another job, even though the wife may be zealous for it. You know, she can't do that. You cannot pray and ask God for something pertaining to your husband and your husband have different wants and different needs pertaining to that prayer. Okay. You are not in agreement at all. And this is not a prayer of petition. Okay. Now let's talk about, uh, let me see. What do I want to uh, share next? Uh, Matthew 21, verse 21 and 22. This actually parallels with Mark eleven twenty four in regards to the prayer of faith and partition. Okay, verse 22 says this. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Did you hear that? Believing you shall receive. Now, Jesus did not say that you know, you would receive something that resembled what you prayed for. No, no, not at all. Mm -mm. Jesus said, whatever you ask, you will receive that thing. 
Are you following me? Now, he did not say, see that you receive them. He did not say, understand that you receive them. And he certainly did not say, feel like you receive them. He said, believe that you receive it. Now, what about healing? I have some people that say, how can I believe that I am healed when my body still feels like it is sick? And it's simple to me. Are you employed? Now, I dare say that 95% of all jobs do not give you any money until after you have worked at least 40 hours and maybe a total of 80. Okay. And this is excluding overtime. Now, if a relative asks you, or let's say a friend asks you, you are not ashamed to say, I got a job and I am going to get paid on Friday. How can you say you are going to get, you know, your $1,200 per week or every two weeks when you have not seen the money? Now, your employer told you that he was going to pay you. Well, I am here to tell you that Jesus said, if you believe you receive it, you will have it. It is the same principle. You do not know if your employer has the money in the bank to pay you at the end of your 80 hours, but you are trusting in your employer's word. Why can't you give God equal trust or equal time? Hmm? Why can't you believe God like you believe your employer? Now, when you operate in the prayer of faith, there is no sight involved meaning no physical senses involved. And that is where many people miss it because they are bound by their senses. They are walking by what they see. Or, you know, they'll say, I do not feel like it, or I don't understand it. But Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, if you see it, you do not need any faith. Because faith is the evidence of things not seen. Are you following me? What is evidence of proof? Now, evidence or proof takes the place of the thing that it is the evidence or proof of until the actual thing gets here. Now, once that thing arrives, you do not need any more evidence of it. Anything, you know, um, because let's say this. You don't need any more evidence of it because you now have it. Now, if faith is my evidence of the things not seen, that means that I cannot look to anything in the senses realm to validate my faith. I have to look to a higher source, which is the word of God. My faith is based on the word of God. I don't know about yours, you know, which changes not, but your feel, but your feelings your experiences and emotions change all the time. Everything changes, but the word of God remains the same. It never changes. You cannot pray effectively or intelligently without knowing the will of God. No, you cannot. Now, there may be some that may be in disagreement with this, but that's your problem. I'm sticking with the word. And we know the will of God by knowing the word of God. Because God's will is revealed in God's word. Okay. Now, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this. 
Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now, if you do not know God's will, then you have not been reading the Bible because that is how we or, or how God makes his will available to us through his holy word. Now, if you have confidence that you have prayed according to God's will, you should be confident that he heard you. And therefore, you should not pray for the same thing a second time. Because that is like saying you did not get it the first time. And that is like saying God didn't hear you the first time. God always hears us. And of course, we get his attention if we are praying his word, which is his will. So why are you praying a second time? That shows that you have a doubt in faith. Now, here's a good example of how you can pray the prayer of faith and petition using Mark eleven twenty four as your rule. Let's say that. You get up Monday morning and you are praying and asking job, uh, asking God to choose a better job for you now. And this is um, after you have filled out maybe three applications of jobs that you are interested in. And you are asking God to choose one of those jobs for you. You ask, you pray on Monday morning saying, God, I trust you. I trust you alone. I have filled out three applications for um, higher paying jobs. And I trust that you are going to choose the correct job for me. Now, from Monday through Friday, Monday, you said the prayer. Tuesday, just because the phone hasn't rang doesn't mean God didn't hear you. So this is where you exercise patience. You start saying Tuesday, God, I thank you for hearing my prayer on Monday, and I know you are choosing the best job for me. Thank you, God. Wednesday, the same thing. God, I know you heard my prayer on Monday. I know you have already chosen the correct job for me, and I can't wait to start my new job. And Thursday and Friday, the same thing. And then Friday evening, you get a call from one of those employers who makes you an offer and say, you got the job. And then you start thanking God and praising God. That is how prayer works. You never pray on Monday and ask God for something. And then the next day you say the same thing and you asking him for the same thing. That is a prayer of doubt. After you pray and ask God for something, you have to start thanking him for it. That's what you do. You start thanking him for it. So start using your faith on the little things first. And build yourself up to the point where you can believe God for the bigger things. Because prayer is progressive. It is a progressive growth. And as you continue to grow, it will start working for you. Okay, it will come naturally. Now, what about prayer number three? The prayer of intercession. Romans 8.26. This is when you pray for, for somebody else completely. And when you pray for someone else or um, some other things without knowing what the circumstances and situations are, okay? That is what the prayer of intercession is. Now, there are two sides of intercession. One, where we get in agreement about someone or something and pray for them in English, telling God what we want. The other, 
the very high end of intercession, is where you may not know who you are praying for. The Holy Spirit will place a strong urge in your spirit to pray for something or someone. Sometimes the Lord may even place someone before you in a vision and you will see someone, but you do not know what you are supposed to pray about or you do not know their problem or what they need. This is where you get into true intercession. You will not do this in your native language because you will not know what to pray for. This is what Romans 8.26 is referring to. Now, this is where people who speak in tongues, that's what praying in the spirit is. And you can only speak in tongues if you are filled with the spirit. And I can tell you uh, this happened to me before where I, I, I got a strong urge in my heart and, and my guts to just pray. I didn't know who I was praying for. So I started praying in the spirit. And those who pray in the spirit know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so what about uh, prayer number four? The prayer of praise and worship. This is the most simple prayer you can do. It is a prayer between you and the Lord. And, and all you are doing is telling him how much you love him. Just like you do your loved ones. You are not asking God for anything. You are not sending up. You are now sending up, let's say, adoration and appreciation and thanksgiving. Father God, I thank you for waking me up this morning. Father God, I thank you for clothing me in my, my, my right mind. Father God, I thank you for your peace. I thank you for my health. I thank you for providing for me. I thank you for continuing to cleanse my heart from all unrighteousness. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. That is is the prayer of praise and worship. Okay, that's a simple prayer. You just start thanking God, but don't ask him for anything. Now, what about prayer number five? Pray, the prayer of consecration and or dedication. I talked about this uh, before during one of my previous episodes where I had mixed them up. Now, this is a prayer whereby you place yourself in a position to be used of God. You have to use if it be thy will in this type of prayer because you cannot find God's will in the Bible. You never use this type of prayer at, at, when it comes to healing because it is the prayer of faith that heals the sick, not the prayer of doubt, not the prayer of if it be thy will. Okay, we need to make sure this is clear. Now, let me give you an example. When the Lord called me to the ministry to preach and teach. There was no scripture in the Bible that I could find or go to and find my name, you know, designating the exact place I would go to minister. So I had to pray a prayer of consecration and dedication and say, Lord, you have called me and I accept and acknowledge your call upon my life. I am prepared to do whatever you want me to do. If it be thy will. I will start learning Bible truth. If it be thy will, I will start um, uh, my, my website ministry, which is back to basic sharing the gospel ministries. You know, I am willing to do it. Not my will, but thy will be done. That is when you use if it be thy will. Now, what you are doing is placing yourself in a position to be used of God and giving him license and acknowledging his claim over your life. Okay. Now 
this was the type of prayer that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross. In Jesus's case, hear this carefully. It was going to cost him his life, not only physically, but it was going to cost him by being separated from God for the first time. And he had never known separation from the father. Okay. But you never use, and I need to make this clear, a dedication and consecration prayer when you are trying to pay your bills or if you are asking God for healing or if you are standing in a prayer of agreement with someone else, you never say, if it be your will, okay? <laughs> you, because you are praying in doubt, you know, to do so would be to cancel out the prayer, all right? Now that I have shared with you uh, what prayer is, is and, and how to do it, you need to know what to do with what you not what you know how to do. Now, in other words, you can not, you can know how to start up an automobile, but that doesn't mean you know how to drive it. Okay. Now, if you will learn to apply the following ingredients, I can guarantee you on the authority of the Word of God that every prayer you pray will be answered. And I am dealing with petition prayer which is the prayer that has, has to do with you and the father, just the two of you. Now, ingredient number one, decide what you want from God. Then find the scripture that promises that to you. Okay. Now, if you do not know what you want, that is exactly what you are going to get. Nothing. And that is why some of you have not received anything because you have never been specific. Remember, James said you have not because you ask not. Okay, so you have to be specific with God. Okay, your foundation for prayer is the clearly revealed word of God. Do you hear me? I need to say that again. Your foundation for prayer is the clearly revealed word of God. Now, if you are praying outside the will of God, the prayer is doomed before it even leaves your mouth. You find out whether it is outside God's will by finding out what the word of God says. Okay. And I've said this before. You cannot pray for your next door neighbor's husband, but you, because that's outside of the will of God, but you can pray and say, God, I would like a husband with those qualities. That's a difference. Now do not pray for something. If you cannot find scripture that promises you that. Okay. You will have to use wisdom in searching the scripture because you are not going to find in there that, you know, uh, let's say a red Corvette. You want a new red Corvette or a new Mustang, you know, or a new house on the hill specifically stated. But God says, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You will find that. You will also find seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things shall be added unto you. You will find that. So when you have decided what you want from God and the scripture that promises uh, that promises you that and you are standing on that scripture, be prepared for a fight. If you are not prepared for a fight, you are not prepared to pray because Satan is going to contest every inch of ground that you tried to reclaim.
It has happened to me. So I need you to trust me on that. Now let's go to ingredient number two. Ask God for the things that you want. Then believe that you have them. Okay. Now I did not say believe that you are going to get them. But believe that you already have them. That is present tense. Okay. Um, it might not make sense to you right now. But we are not dealing with the senses. Remember that? We are not dealing by uh, or going by what we see. The just shall live by faith. Remember that. We are dealing with God's word and with faith in his word. Now you must ask. There is no such thing as a silent or unspoken request or prayer. Now there is such a thing as silent in the sense that I might say something so softly and inaudibly as far as you are concerned that you will not verbally hear me say it. Okay. But I am still saying it. Even if I whisper it, I am speaking. Now, whether you hear me does not make any difference. As long as the main man hears me and that's God. And that is who I am talking to. A whisper is not thinking. A whisper is talking. It is just not loud talking. Okay. Or speaking loudly. Now, how did God create this world? The Bible says that God said, let there be and behold, there was. It did not say God thought nothing came into existence until after God said it and nothing is coming to you until after you say it. Okay. I hope you are taking notes. Now, what about ingredient number three? Ingredient number three, let every thought and desire affirm that you have what you ask. God against and resist the negative thoughts Satan will try to in <laughs> intimidate you with. Because Kate, Satan will use uh, the time to make you think God didn't hear you and he's not going to answer you. That's why you have to possess patience. Do not accept anything other than what you have asked God for. Don't listen to negative people. And I cannot uh, reiterate that enough. Please don't listen to negative people. Negative people will taint your faith. And don't walk by what you see. Have patience and stick to what God's word says. You shall have whatever you say. Remember that. Now, some people do not have much patience, but you have to be prepared to stand. If you have to stand for two years, if it takes that long for the manifestation of your answer. Now, let's look at ingredient number four. Thoughts are governed by or controlled by observation, association, and teaching. You need to stay away from all places and things that do not support your affirmation that God has answered your prayer. Just because you haven't received it yet doesn't mean that he hasn't answered it yet. It's coming. Just have patience. You know, and that also means you might have to stay away from some churches and from some Christian television and radio. I appreciate the wonderful things some men are doing. But you cannot listen to everything. Not unless it affirms the fact that you have what you asked God for. Okay. What affects your thinking will affect your talking. And what affects your talking will affect your faith. And what affects your faith will affect your life. Be careful what you read. 
and be careful who you associate with. You cannot afford to be around negative people, especially when it comes to healing. And I've said this before for those of you who follow me on a regular basis. There are some people who profess to be Christians that'll pray you right into a grave or will help you pray a loved one into an early grave because the prayer of faith saves and heals the sick. And that will not change. Okay. No matter what you see, that's not going to change. Love and pray for them from afar off, but do not let them drag you down with them and their lack of faith. Okay. Remember that. Never bring God's word down to the level of human experience. Every experience, uh, every experience, excuse me, I need to drink some water. If you guys will give me a few seconds to drink some water, all this talking and I talk for a living, but, uh, Sometimes my mouth gets dry. Now, every experience experience must come up to, to God's word. We cannot bring it. We, I need to say this again. We should never bring God's word down to the level of human experience. Okay. If the experience doesn't measure up to the level of God's word, cast it out. Cast it out because that's not God talking to you. That's the devil. Bring every thought into obedience to the word of God. Now, if you want to stay stable and consistent, you have to stay with the winner and the winner is God. Okay. Now let's look at ingredient number five. Think constantly on the promises on which you have based the answer to your prayer. Proverbs 420. Now, if you take a steady diet of God's word, it will keep you healthy. Okay. Just like, uh, physical food, your body needs physical food to grow your, your spirit needs, um, uh, spiritual food to stay healthy. Do not think on the problem. Please don't, don't meditate on the problem because as a man think it, so is he. Okay. Don't meditate about this, uh, the problem. Think constantly about the solution and that you serve a God who is going to answer your prayer. Not might. He is going to do not talk about the problem. Talk about the solution. See yourself out of the problem. Base the solution on God's word and on God's word alone. Okay. Saints ingredient number six in your walking or your waking moment. Think on the love, mercy, goodness, and blessings of God, and it will boost your faith. You talk about a shot of heavenly adrenaline, you know, it will shoot your faith right up to the top. Think about how good God is. Think about that. Think about Hebrews eleven six. that without faith, it is impossible to please God and he that comes to God. And this is the NIV version must believe that he is or that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have to think about that. Think about how good God is. He is a rewarder, not a punisher, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But Satan will have you thinking God is the punisher. Satan is the punisher, not God. So constantly praise God for, for what he is doing in your life. The word says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. That's in Psalms 150 verse six. It will keep your faith alive. 
Okay, uh, ingredient number seven. Make every word relative to what you have asked a statement of faith. Romans 10, 17. Make your word a statement of faith rather than a statement of doubt and unbelief. God says you have enough faith, so you say you have enough faith. Okay? Learn what God says about you in his word and you keep repeating it. Now, in Christ, by the power of his spirit, you can finally find out who you are from the one who created you. Not the one who is constantly before God day and night accusing you. Satan, who is also known as your accuser. Come before God expecting to talk to the Father, Father God, and expecting that he will hear you and grant you the request that you ask him when you make that request based on his word. Make every statement a confession of faith, not a confession of doubt. You need to remember this. Now, Titus uh, chapter one, verse two says this, telling us something there and, and it's telling us something very important. God cannot lie. OK, that's what Titus one, two says. God cannot lie. So if he cannot lie, then that means he can only tell the truth. Now, if he can only tell the truth. When he tells me to pray and believe, I receive and I shall have, bless God, it is on its way. I have it. It's mine. I believe that before I see it. I believe I have it before I see it because God says I have it. That's how you have to walk in this thing, this thing called faith, this thing called prayer. Now, you ought to know his will before you pray. If you do not I, I, look, look, you, you may get upset with me, but I'm telling you, if you do not know God's will before you pray, you should not be praying. Mm -mm. You should not be praying. Remember, never put an if it be thy will in a petition prayer or a prayer of agreement. You will be praying in doubt if you do. So first find out his will and what the covenant says about it. And pray the word. I cannot, look, specify or reiterate that enough. Always pray the word of God because his word never returns to him void. Never. Now you can have a strong confidence in the fact that when God tells you to do something, you can count on it. Now one reason many people have a difficult time believing the word of God and standing on it with confidence without any doubt is because they are so used to not telling the truth. They do not believe anybody else can tell the truth. And that includes God himself. They don't think God is telling the truth. You know, you've heard people say, well, God changed his mind. I am the Lord thy God and I change not. It's also written in scripture. Now, the reason I get all my prayer, my prayers answered is because I pray the word. I find out what, what God says about the need or desire I have which is consistent with a godly life. And I just pray the word. And the Bible says he confirms his word with signs and wonders following. That's in Mark 16 verse 20. Okay. It says that God confirms his word with signs and wonders following. Now, since God is no respecter of person and only confirms his word, you too, by praying correctly and living a godly lifestyle can receive an answer to every prayer 
you pray. And my friends, I hope this little nugget has helped you. I came back off of my vacation to share it because I was getting emails um, uh, regarding prayer and how to pray. It's one of my biggest requests. So I will be back within two weeks and we will be touring the book of or the letter to the Hebrews. Oh, it is so important. Boy, I can't wait to share that with you. So until next time, peace out. All right. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please send your questions to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. Or you can send me a direct message by clicking on the message button located on my podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public, and submit your remarks. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing all my podcasts and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated. I am praying for God to give you a return on your seed. Praise God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, as it relates to sowing a seed, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Hallelujah. Now, God will give you a return on your seed as long as you sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. The key is having a cheerful heart. Now, until next time, brothers and sisters, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.